Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'll try that again. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So good to see you all again. Uh, so good to say good morning again on this beautiful sunny day. We're going to get into the Word of God. Um, if you have a Bible, I would love to have you join me and turn to Acts chapter 2. Um, if you don't, you can get it on your device. We'll put it up here on the the screen. That's where we're going to land again today. We're in our series called Empowered, um, where we're kind of just walking through the book of Acts. So this has been fun. Uh, I'm excited about it. We've talked so much already today about um, what God's doing in the earth, right? Um, something is stirring, you know? And you don't have to be super discerning. <laughs> to catch it, you know, like uh, when people are talking about revival where you turn around and then a movie comes out just celebrating uh, Jesus and the revolution that happened decades ago. Actually, our church was born in the middle of that. I mean, it's already been said. Um, yet it doesn't take, you know, a super smart, discerning, spiritually discerning person to look around and say, God's up to something and it's really good, right? Um, and our encouragement, I would say, is, well, let's be alerted. Let's ask the Lord to help us to say yes, um, to not just do business as usual, right? Um, let's have our God antennas up, you know, and in, in waiting on him, positioning ourselves, like we talked about last week, uh, to be an altar that the Lord can set his fire on. Um, yeah, so you can go back and listen to that one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to preach that one again. Um, but there's been a lot of shakings too, right? You know, we had the shooting at, at MSU. Um, but the Lord, I just believe, uh, the Lord knows and we're so ripe. We're so ripe for, for what he has. And um, I love the posture of what many of you guys shared today even. And we're all at different places. I look around the room, we got... Some people who are barely in double digits. <laughs> Some of you who've lived a lot of life. Some of us right in the middle. Um, and we can get excited to remember what God has done. How, I mean, some of us have been in moments that have been real moves of God. But I bet for everyone sitting in this room, at some point or another, God has significantly moved in your own life. Am I right? You probably wouldn't be sitting here if God hadn't in some way at some time, thank you for that, uh, touched you in a significant way. There are micro moves and there are macro moves. Um, and we, we should, it's right, it's actually biblical to remember and celebrate powerful God moments. But unto what end? If you read the Psalms, which I do a lot, I love the Psalms, um, you see, many times there are moments where it doesn't look like much is happening, you know, and the psalmist, the writer will say, you know, many times David or whoever, um, you know, this is what it feels like right now, but I remember what God did. I recall to mind how God moved before. Why? Not so that we can live in the past, but it gives us this vision for God moving again in our future, 
right? We've experienced him once. We know he'll do it again because he's not done. Until he returns, it's not like, well, I hope we could return to what once happened. God says, no, I've got actually something better for you in your future. In the days until he returns, he's pouring out his spirit more and more and more. We go from glory. Yes, there was glory, but there's more glory to come. Is this making sense? Uh, That we posture ourselves for, God, we've seen your faithfulness, and we're going to see your faithfulness again. In fact, we're going to see next level faithfulness. Uh, The moves of God are great stair steps that bring us to the next level. Does that make sense? We stand here today as we've testified on a level that the Lord built. And he's inviting us to the next step. Is this making sense? It will be even better. We will continue to see the Lord move in power and it will be more powerful. And we will continue to be more perfected in his love. And then the great news is, as much as we love and long for more of God, he wants to give it way more than we want it. We are not more motivated or more excited in this scenario than God himself is. Do you believe that? (sighs) You know, and so as I've been just listening to, to stories that are, present and past in the middle of this, and just even conversations I've been having um, the last couple of weeks with different people, um, I've been really confronted with one thought, and it's not a bad thought, it's just a helpful, genuine thought, that in the middle of all the great moves that God does, in the middle of the activity of a holy, perfect, faithful, good God, you know what's right in the middle of every single one of them? Humans. (laughs) Very human humans. Like you and me. You know, like, I don't know about you, I'll just talk about me. (laughs) In seasons of my life when I've been younger and a little more naive, I mean, and I could tell stories about just some really amazing ways the Lord moved in our, in my college days, you know, about 20 years ago. But even looking back on that, I realized we were very human humans in the middle of the moving of a very holy God. And I I think in my my young mind, in zeal, I always thought like somehow if the God is moving in power, then we're going to be so perfect in the middle of that. We're going to be so beautiful, so glorious, and we are, and yet we're still us. And so we look back at stories, and we look at today, and, and from afar we celebrate, and, how beautiful, how awesome, how glorious, how heavenly, how marvelous. And then you get up a little closer, and you start looking at the people, and you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that's just the way God loves to work. He uses weak human beings like you and me, which means, you know what? We're qualified. It's not the spiritual superstars. It's not those who've got, and we talked about this the last couple weeks as well. I feel like I'm repeating myself. It's not those with all the training that are qualified. It's all, every believer, every weak human that says, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I follow you, is invited to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? So Acts chapter 2, the whole book of Acts is about the birthing of the church. We looked at that the last couple of weeks. Um, can sometimes be intimidating to look at, for me, I'll say, as a church leader, because you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. 
you know, and sometimes you can look at like at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit came and there's like wind and fire and, and, and noise and tongues and 3,000 come to the Lord in a minute. You'd be like, geez, we're not really measuring up to that <laughs> standard right now. Um, it's so easy to see how we're not yet there yet. But I think the posture the Lord wants us to have is to be hungry for more. To expect more than our current experience. Um, God's in the middle of it. So we're going to continue. What happened after that glorious, powerful, earth-shattering, history-making, age-shifting day of the day of Pentecost? That's what we looked at last week. Everything changes that day. And we talked about how it was really a people... Uh, saying yes to the promise of God who positioned themselves to be expectant and waiting, and God came. That's a kingdom paradigm. God makes a promise, we believe him, he does it. And then that's what they did. But what happened in the aftermath, that's what we want to look at today. And so the title of, of today's message would be A People of His Presence, Spiritual Family. And we've talked even about that today. But let's pray as we get into the Word of God. God, we thank you for your word that it's living, that it's active, and that you are here right now speaking. I ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. Would you grant us a spirit of revelation? Would you call us into your purposes for such a time as this? Would we be a people, as you've ordained us to be a people of your presence, that can be a part of what you want to do in our world today? If you agree with that prayer, you can say amen. So we're jumping in right at the tail end of, of, you know, that one glorious day when the Holy Spirit first arrived. Now, spoiler alert, he didn't leave. Uh, So (laughs) the story continues. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Again, and literally this is right after it said, and, you know, Peter preached, 3,000 came into into their number that very day. Well, what happened in the aftermath? Verse 42. says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs done and performed by the apostles, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give it to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. And this is just the beginning of the story. This is, this is just the beginning of the beginning um, of the church that we're reading about. But again, and it's not a, a formula But there are kingdom paradigms that the Lord gives us from what he has done and what he has spoken. So after the Holy Spirit had come in power, this was their response. Again, what what had happened on that day that changed everything? Well, something that had never happened before. The person of God came to dwell inside human beings. That had never happened before. The person of God, the Holy One, came into human vessels to live and to dwell, not just for a moment, but to stay. 
that all who call on the name of the Lord would be saved and be filled with the person of God, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. That was, this was a new age on the earth that happened that day. So every, it said all of them in Acts chapter 2, in the beginning of the chapter, all of them received this. All of them received the power of the Holy Spirit. Every individual had been empowered by God with his person, with his presence, to be a witness, to bring witness of a kingdom reality that belongs in heaven but had come into earth. Is this making sense? And so each individual is now empowered and indwelt. But at the same time, they couldn't get away from the reality that they understood that it was as they had come together that the Lord was present in their midst in a powerful and unique way. And it almost seems, by reading this passage, they're together all the time, every day, that they couldn't get enough. They couldn't get enough. They'd had this amazing experience, and many would like to say, well, that was then, and that's what happened then, and thank God for that, and here we are now. It was the beginning, but they knew there was more, and they couldn't seem to get enough. And so you see them in this, this rhythm of, being together, being together before the Lord, being in the Lord's word, sharing meals together, all these things because something in the being together became a container that though each individual carried the presence of God, there was a manifestation of the power of God when they were together. Is this making sense? And it's true that we individually, all of them, every single person, not one left out, received the power and person of the Holy Spirit to fully be a witness in their world. But biblically, spiritually, in the kingdom of God, there's something released when we are together. And now all these people were very different people. They, they didn't have anything in common in this moment other than Jesus. When they had gathered together in that room, it was because he made a promise. You know, he spoke to them even before he he left the planet. Before he went to the cross, he said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is coming. He said that. John chapter 14, 15, 16. And then, you know what he did after making the promise? He went and he gave his life. He was died, buried, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. So he then made provision. For them to become holy as he was holy. To them to come into the kingdom. To be cleansed of all unrighteousness and become the righteousness of God. So he made a promise and he made provision and they pressed in and they received it together. This is a kingdom paradigm. Are you getting it? But what brought them together was one thing. Him. Him. That was their affinity point. Following Jesus and the presence and power of God in their midst. Because we're being, the Bible says we are individually being built together to become a dwelling place for the presence of God. You have him in you. You have him living in you. He indwells you, but he also works through you and comes among us in a holy and sacred way when we're together just like this. 
Ephesians chapter 2 says this, consequently, and he's talking in this context about very different people, Jews and Gentiles, who are very divided naturally. They had nothing in common with each other. They didn't actually want to hang out together. But Paul says this about the believers, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens together with God's people and members of his household. Verse 20 says this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And this is the part I wanted you to see, verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And he goes on, verse 22. And in him, you too, you also are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Well, I thought he lived in me. He does. But this says he lives in us together that we together are the temple. You know what the answer is? Yes. Does he live in you? Yes. Does he dwell among us? Yes. It's both and. And and you may feel like sometimes, even as you look across this room, it's just a small grouping of people, but think about the church worldwide. But even in this small room, you might look at other people and feel like a stranger (laughs) to one another, alien to one another. We're so different. We We don't have much in common in this room. But God says, I'm making you together my dwelling place. What brings us together? It's not our politics. It's not our ethnic backgrounds. It's not our socioeconomic, and I can't say that well, socioeconomic status. It's not our personalities. It's not our age group. It's not our status in life. We love to gather around those things, don't we? Like, we're always looking for my people. I want to be with my people. And we look around, and you're like, these, these are just not my people. And yet, he's using us together to build a dwelling place for himself because it's not about any of those things. It's not about your affinity group. It's not about your stage in life. It's not about your age, your profession, your skin color. It's about him. We come together. We're in this room together because of him. We're built around him. Those temporal realities will change in a moment. It's like Tim was talking about, 50 years will go in a moment. Eternity will be here in a moment. And all those things that seem so important, I just really wish there was more of me around here, <laughs> more people like me around here, will change in a moment. Because the point of it isn't that, it's him. The, the family of God that he's brought us into is eternal. The housing of his presence, the temple of God being us, is eternal. It's forever. Now, you and I might get older. We might change our personality. We might change our profession. We'll be in a different stage of life in just a moment, but he remains the same. And so Paul says, you together are being built into a holy temple where God dwells by his spirit. You call it a temple. You call it a building. You can say that even it's the wineskin of this age that the presence of God is housed among the people of God. That when we dwell together, when we come together, he's there in a way he's not when we're alone. Though every believer carries it, there's a supernatural reality that our togetherness around him is a different kind of container. A container in which he can pour out something, not just for us, but for a dry and weary land that longs to know him. A dry and weary land that is looking for something real, something beyond the ordinary, something beyond our physical reality. And if we're not seeing it, if we're not apprehending it, We're not giving much hope to those who long for it. We are the carriers of him and of his presence. 
the glory of God in jars of clay. We have his word, we have his power, and we see him manifest as we come together in the context of a Jesus-centered community. It says in this, what, what was happening among them was it was, it was awe-inspiring when they came together. It was, it was awe-inspiring because there were signs and wonders that happened. Signs and wonders meaning like this was not the natural activity of human beings. God was in their midst. It was awe-inspiring. When they came together, God was in their midst. And signs and wonders were done. And as they, so the people of God said, we're going to come together because of him. We're going to be together. We're going to pray because of him. We're going to worship because of him. We're going to dedicate ourselves to the word of God. We're going to be with one another in our homes because of him. And wherever we come together, he's there and he shows up. And it says because of this cultivating of the presence of God as we come together, that people just kept being added to their number. Because there was a supernatural people, a presence center promise-driven people, and it was obvious that God was in their midst. And God, because he was in their midst, was adding to their number day by day. When Jesus is in us and among us, it's so simple. People come to him. They come to him daily. (laughs) People individually who have the Holy Spirit bring evidence of the kingdom And when we're together, God is with us. I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. But I want to say it. They didn't gather together because some people will look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and on, and they're like, well, let's make this our program. This is how it worked before. Then we have to do it like this. And if we're not doing it just like this, then we won't have God among us. No. It's a kingdom paradigm, not a program. It's not about the program. They didn't gather because it was a program. God never said, okay, well, once the Holy Spirit comes, make sure you do it just like this or else I can't show up. They discovered that when they came together in faith, God showed up. And so what did they do? They got together. They got together daily. They got together. It wasn't a program. They gathered because of his presence. They had become a people, a people of his presence. They had gathered around one thing, him. And that's why they could be, this thing is falling apart on me, so different, but together in unity. Because there's one thing that can unify us all and bring us all together, it's him. That's why Peter would say later, well, you're, we're, we're kind of a peculiar people. <laughs> there's no other reason for us to be together except him. 1 Peter 2 says that as we come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you, every individual, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Uh, To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Skip to verse 9, it says, but you're a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare together the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. You had nothing in common, but now you are the people of God. Of God. Once you would not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Because it might be easy to look at these early Christians and they're 
their lifestyle. And again, say, well, here's what you're going to make sure we have to, to, we have to pray daily. We need to meet in homes. You need to uh, make sure you're having meals with other people. <laughs> you know, just make it a, a program and a paradigm. But God's just so not into formulas. And we're looking at the secondary instead of the primary when we look at it that way. What happened is this. These, what motivated these people from the beginning? Jesus made a promise. He made provision. He came through in power, and it changed their whole lives. And they wanted more. It wasn't about the ways they gathered, where it was, how they did it. It was all about him. They saw that God could do more in a moment when they were gathered around him than they could do in a lifetime in their own strength. That God's activity, drawing them together, made an opportunity for him to pour out more power and keep drawing more people to him. One of our greatest dangers is that we can get too familiar with church life, with Jesus, with his people, and all we see is one another. All we see is his four walls and this blue carpet, and we lose sight of him in our midst. What they had that changed everything was an awe of his presence among them and an expectation that every time they came together, he was there. And that every time they came together, there was more. Think of all you've experienced in your lifetime in God. Do you really think that's it? When you look at a holy, glorious, eternal, unlimited God, do you think you've experienced it all? The answer is, Obviously, no. Then you should come before him expecting more. You should come into his presence with arms, heart, eyes wide open. What will you do today? How will you surprise us with the more? We have not seen it all. And it's not dependent on you it's dependent on him. His presence is, is everything. And now it can't always necessarily be quantified or measured. How do we know? How do we get there? Well, that's the kingdom paradigm. He's made a promise, just like he made to them. And when we press into the promise, believing he'll meet us in power because he's made provision. And we expect him to do more, he will do more. If you expect to just come and do church, you know what you'll get? Church. If you expect prayer gatherings to be boring, you know what they'll be? Boring. <laughs> if you gather with others, say in a small group in your home, and all you can see in that room is the people, you know what you'll miss? Jesus in the room with you. But if your eyes and your expectation is on him and pressing on him to fulfill the promise he made with power, you will most definitely see more. You will most definitely experience more because you're looking for him instead of getting locked up right here. Because this right here, me, I won't talk about you, but me, I'm, I'm going to be a disappointment. 
I'm going to fall short. I'm going to let you down. And if all you have is me, you should go home. But if Jesus is in our midst, and we haven't seen all of him yet, then we know there's more. And when we come together, he will manifest more in our midst more when we expect him. I get it. It's a fight sometimes to show up here or to show up at a prayer meeting or to show up to your small group. But what if you changed your posture, your mindset, because we get so locked into, well, I remember what happened last time, and I remember how this was and that was, and I think I know what to expect. What, what if you shifted your posture? Well, I'm coming again, and my expectation is, isn't what happened last week or the week before, whether it was awesome or awful. I'm expecting one thing, Jesus, because Jesus is here. He's here right now. I, I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's here, I don't know what his plans are, but he's here. What if we expected that because it's real? I don't even have to make it up. You don't have to work it up. But if your expectation is that his promise is true, that his faithfulness is real, then you know what you'll get? You'll get the faithfulness of his promise coming through. That is the only thing they had when this thing began was a promise. And they believed it. And they gathered until it came. And then once it came for the first time, they said, let's not stop. He promised power that we haven't seen before, and we've seen a whole lot in one day, but I just don't think God is limited by the first day. He changed everything. What will he do next? I just want to say this. If your desire and your posture are to see more of him, you will. I want to guarantee you that. No one else in the room may, but if your posture is to see more of him, if you desire more of him, you will always get it. In fact, Jesus made a promise. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you know what you're going to get? A Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, 11, one of the best promises in there. You ask for the Spirit, you get it. Well, I didn't feel anything. Did you ask in faith? Then you got it. What do you do? Ask again. You think you got all of it that one time? I don't care how big your experience of the Holy Spirit was that one time. You think that was it? Ask again. And you know what you're going to get? More. <laughs> Ask again. You know what you're going to get? More. We want to look for him and not just see one another. But I want to look at you and look beyond the surface as well and understand that he's in there too. He's inside of you. Oh, I love it. That you carry him. That when I see you, that you have the power and presence of Jesus inside you, then even the dynamic of my heart towards you changes. When we see that every person in this room that loves Jesus is a carrier of his presence, and that when we gather, he is here, our praises to him become an offering. They become an altar that fire can come and consume. And that when we come and we know he's present, if we know that he's present, we know that anything's possible. We know that any person who's sick can be healed. Anyone who's oppressed can be freed right now. If we just believe, if we just ask, if we ask for the Holy Spirit, we get the Holy Spirit. Oh, will the Lord raise our expectations? Will the Lord get our hopes up? Because he is more than able to fill. More than you could even imagine. 
When's the last time you imagined? You know, so it was a whole lifestyle that began when God showed up in their midst. It impacted their daily routines. It changed their perspective on the world around them. Like, well, we got to pray. We got to come together in the temples every day. We got we to gotta worship him because when we're together, he's there. <laughs> we got to come together because he's, he's there. And I want to stop there, and I do need to close. We're, we're getting a little late today. We say that we're a people of prayer. I want us to be a people of prayer. I want us to be a people that live in the reality of all God began and all that he has yet to do. I want to see his power f- manifest among us, through us, all around us. And I want to see our community coming to Jesus daily, don't you? I want to encourage us today uh, in all of that. I want to highlight to be a people of prayer. We say that, but we actually have to do it. You want to see the power of God? You actually have to ask for it. Don't let somebody else ask for you. You you have a heart. You have a mind. You have a mouth. You can talk to Jesus. And it can't just be a drive-by prayer here and there. Don't just let someone else pray for you. Just drive by. Well, I hope you do what you want to do, Lord Jesus. We've got to have time where we actually where it rearranges their life in a way that we're gathering with other people with an expectation of God. That's what it means to, to be a people of prayer. It, it's a, it's a, a, a bit of an interruption sometimes into our own daily and weekly rhythms. Why? Because we are the people of God. We're followers of Jesus. Prayer is what we do. He said his house would be a house of prayer. The container that he's building would be a people of prayer, and that's the place he would inhabit. I, uh, when I first got onto the MSU campus before there was the House of Prayer, the Furnace Prayer Movement, um, it was because this church started there that I got on campus. Uh, you know, the Lord was kind of highlighting that this is where the church started. We should get back to our, we should tap our roots to see the great fruits that he had for us. And so I had been getting on campus and um, was just going around to meet people. A couple of friends came. Kirby came a few times. Um, we just go out on campus, talk to people, pray with them, try to share the gospel with them. Um, because if you don't know what else to do and God calls you somewhere, you just do that. Talk to people, share the gospel, pray for them. And so we're doing that thing. And, um, you know, I would get overwhelmed at times because we'd be on campus and uh, I would go to these busy places and I would just play my guitar and sing about Jesus because, like, you know, there are a lot of preachers out there preaching. Well, not a lot, but people didn't really like the preachers preaching. They were kind of abrasive. I'm like, well, how can I share a gospel in a way that people will listen? And so I would just play my, my guitar and make up s- songs about the gospel. So as they walk by, they're hearing me sing the gospel to them. It was really fun. But I remember being walking into campus many times on days and just like between the changing of classes, there'd be this mass of people walking. And um, I'd be like, oh my goodness, God, like how do we reach them all? Like how can we touch 55,000 people with the gospel? Because uh, I know that's his heart. I know that's his desire. I know that's why he's called us, and so many more to, to be on that campus. And I felt the encouragement of the Lord. Um, there are so many ways God moves. Like, but I, I 
the Lord caught me with something that, that stirred my heart in a way that I haven't been able to let it go because I really believe God wants to send the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring a revolution even to that campus. 55,000 students, 200, almost 200 nations there, plus staff, faculty, all of them. God has a plan for all of them. He has it for us too in this community, but he's given us a call. We talked about that. But the Lord said, you know, they can run from your preachings, but they can't run from your prayers. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't mean we don't preach. Like, I can share that. If, if I was, re- like, really um, gung-ho and I, w- and I got out there and tried to share the gospel with individuals and groups every day, I might be able to reach 10, maybe 100, maybe 1,000, like, over a span of a couple years. Might hear the message of the word. But if, if, if we as a people of prayer, Campus Connected, want to see God touch 55,000-plus people, you know where we can't fail? Prayer. You know what we do? We ask for the Holy Spirit because when you ask for the Spirit, God gives the Spirit. And though they could run from our preaching all day and all night, and they may go into the deepest, darkest places of their lives and live the darkest kind of lifestyle there possibly is, and it would seem like they'd be so resistant to God and the gospel when we pray, God goes. And the one who's the deepest, darkest, that would never show up to our meetings, never hear our preaching, gets touched for our prayers. God touches a heart, softens a heart, and then they come out of the darkness and into the light. There are a million stories like that. We can reach and transform nations by truly learning to be a people of prayer. I'm not saying that's all we need to be, but we know he's spoken that to us. Not drive-by prayers, real lifestyle of prayer. It's not one versus the other, it's both and. You need to be a person of prayer. And then when you're with people that don't know Jesus, you need to tell, talk about him. You need to tell them about him. Give them an opportunity to open up the door because you know God's prepared their hearts. You know, your prayers have done something in their life. Hey, well, would you like to know Jesus? Can I tell you about Jesus? Give them a chance to walk into the way, the truth, the life too. It's, it's not one over the other. It's both and. But I would rather have more than just my words at work when I share the gospel. I'd like the Holy Spirit to be at work when we share the gospel. I'd like to expect God to do something impossible. One other thought on all this, just because I feel like it's helpful and relevant. Like when we see the early church and how they came together and expected God and God always showed up. I also love that it was their lifestyle, all of them. It, it doesn't delineate. So, well, there were the intercessors that went to the prayer meeting, uh, and then it was the evangelists that went out and shared the gospel. Oh, and then the pastors, they were hosting the small groups in their home because we like to think that way. You think it's a certain type of people do the certain type of thing. You know what I see here? This is a lifestyle of a believer. The believers are praying. The believers share the gospel. The believers seek God in the place of prayer and go out and share the gospel. I'm saying things over and over, but this is making sense. This is not just for that person, and it's not just for the early church. It's a kingdom paradigm for you and me in this room today. To be these people, there's a kingdom paradigm, and, and, and it starts with us having a promise-driven hunger that God will meet in power. We're going to wrap up. Would you just stand with me? If you would come, Justin, that would be great. I love today that um, 
even in our little spiritual family, we are so diverse. We're so different. I was talking to somebody this week, and I was like, you know, our church is not huge, but we got a lot of different kinds of different people in the room. And I think Jesus just loves that. And look, we're not perfect, are we? We mess up all the time. We don't always love each other well the way we should, but we're present. And when we gather, God is present. Right now, he's present. So the message for all of us, you might be two weeks old in Jesus. You might be five decades old in Jesus. We're all in the picture, right? And here's my question for us, then I'm going to pray for us, is, are you content with where you are right now? Are you satisfied? Is this enough? Are you, you happy to just keep doing church and keep showing up? Or, or are you hungry for something more? Do you expect that God has something more than what we've experienced so far? Because if you're actually hungry and expectant for something more, you'll posture yourself differently. You'll press in. You'll rearrange your lifestyle a little bit to get before him and to get with his people and expect one thing, expect him. Is this making sense? And I think God wants to challenge some of us in our comfortability, in our contentment, and in our busyness. But also in our familiarity, right? Famili we get so familiar with one another. We get so familiar with church that we can get contemptuous of one another and even of the presence of God in our midst. We don't want to be that. We want to have a posture that expects God, that sees God, and receives God. Let's come before him. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Oh, Father, we bless your name. Jesus, we thank you that you are right here right now in our midst. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose even for this moment that we don't even know what it is, but we believe it. We choose to believe it. Lord, I ask that you would start as we expect big things in our world today, as we see stirrings here and there, as the testimonies are arising all around us. I pray that you'd start with us. God, today would you soften our hearts. God, would you remove the scars of bitterness. God, that had come over us, God, the, the scars of disillusionment on our hearts. Right now, would you do a miracle in our hearts and soften our hearts again? Would you give us fresh faith again? Would you give an expectation of Jesus in our midst again? God, that you'd make us wholly discontent with what we've seen, knowing that there's so much more in you. If any of this is resonating with you as a prayer, would you just lay your hand on your own heart? Say, Lord, come now. Would you soften my heart? Soften my heart again. God, would you remove the darkness of cynicism? Oh, and the entangling of sin. God, in complacency, would you touch my heart again?
with your holy presence right now. And let him come. Expect him. Expect him right now to soften your heart. Expect him right now. Yeah. Expect Jesus on your heart right now. Expect the touch of the Holy Spirit right now. I see him coming. I see him resting on many of you in this room right now. Just even saw a picture of a dove as a symbol of the Holy Spirit alighting on you. There's a peace coming on you right now. Would you just take a moment? Don't move on. Just receive that work of the Holy Spirit on your heart right now. I see him landing on many, 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 almost everyone in the room. I just see the, the working of the Holy Spirit on your heart. And I do see, I do see there's been a crusting over some of our hearts we didn't even know was there. The crusting of familiarity, even in a cynicism. We didn't, Lord, I asked you that one time. It didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. I just don't know if I can expect anymore. I just don't know if I can believe again. The Lord is taking that off. He's, he's giving you a freshness, a heart of flesh for a heart of stone right now. Just stay right there and let him move. Let him move upon your heart. Just let him move upon your heart. And I want to make an invitation while, while the believers in the room, that's you. You're letting him soften your heart. We're not in a hurry. But if, that's your space right now. If you're in the room and you've been far from God, you haven't put your faith fully in Jesus as your Savior, I wonder if God would add you to his, this number today, would add you to the fellowship of the people of God today. Your heart is stirred with Jesus, and Jesus in our midst, you say, I want in. I want to put my faith in him. I want him to live inside of me. I want to live this supernaturally empowered life of walking with Jesus. That's you and you're here today. While everyone's got their eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you? Yep. Anyone else? Or you feel like, I just need to return. I've been far away. I've been so far away. I've been living distant from the Lord, and I want to come back. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes, Lord, here we are. We place our faith in you today. We put our faith in one name, Jesus. Just tell him, Jesus, I put my faith in your name alone, not in myself, not in my works, not in my tradition, not in my past. I put my faith in you, Jesus, and your finished work. Come fill my heart and change my life. Come fill my heart and change my life. And thank you, Jesus, for adding to our number today, for adding to our number daily. And Lord, for all of us, would you build in us eyes to see, ears to see in the Spirit. God, would you give us a holy expectation in these days to come? Would you continue to fill us again and again and again and again? And as we close, would you just, if you're willing, put your hands out in front of you. And this is how we're going to end. Just a simple prayer. We're not finished with this today, but we're going we're gonna to finish this moment this way. Put your hands out before you in expectation. We just say, Holy Spirit, come. We ask for the Holy Spirit. Actually, would you just pray that? Lord, I ask for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask for more. Lord, I ask for your activity in my life, more than I've seen before. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe just say that a few times. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Because every time he says yes, every time he says yes, come, Holy Spirit. Fill my life again. Fill me to overflowing. Come, Holy Spirit. Rearrange my inner workings. Come, Holy Spirit. Give me a vision of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Empower my life again. Give me eyes to see you. Give me faith to expect you. Come, Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer, Lord, that you'd come right now. I pray that you come tomorrow. I pray that you'd come in our households. I pray you'd come in our workplaces. I pray you'd come in our families, in our finances. Come, Holy Spirit, in our relationships. Come and do what's in your heart to do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.